Welcome to Replant Bootcamp, the boots on the ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. 180 has just launched two new products that we think could really help your church. Stick around to the end of the podcast to hear more. All right, Replant Bootcamp special guest with us is the creative director of 180 Digital, our sponsor. Excited to have Wesley Lewis with us today on the Replant Bootcamp. Happy New Year, Bob. Happy New Year, Jimbo. How are you doing? How are those uh, LSU Tigers doing? Man, the Tigers are looking good. By the time that this posts, the Tigers will be the national champions <laughs> of the universe. Yeah, this is a hard one for me because I like both teams, but uh, I think, think since LSU has been out of it for a little while, and since you're my cohort in this podcast, I think I'd like to see you a little happier. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh man, that's fun. Well, Wesley is, like I said, is a creative director of 180 Digital who sponsors this podcast. He's also one of the pastors at the church that I pastor the replant here, Redemption Church. He's been with us for a year and a half now, I think, and is one of our elders and but he runs, he actually makes all of his money, not from the church, but from 180 Digital, and he leads that. So Wesley, share with us a little bit about why, why 180 Digital would want to sponsor a podcast like this. I mean, just a little background on me. I was in ministry full-time uh, for a long time, for about 15 years. I know how difficult working, just pastoring a church is. I mean, I, I still do that now to a to lesser degree, but I know how difficult that road is. So I, I want to help my heart has always been the church. It always will be the church. And I want to help people move forward. That's kind of like our, our mantra around my company is move forward. And it's just because it's easy to get stuck and not feel like you know what to do. And really, sometimes you just need somebody to help to kind of get your, your church just foot over foot in the right direction. And one of the things I love about uh, 180 Digital is he always has such a heart for mm -hmm. churches that he's always helping churches out. And, and so I'm excited to hear from him. This is not going to be a whole podcast long pitch of no. signing up for 180 Digital. No. This is not about that. This is about hearing Wesley's heart on how to help churches that don't have much of a budget at all. And what are some ways that they can move forward? I think it's great because, you know, one of the first things that does need to change for a replant is probably its website, if they have one, probably made back in what, the 19... Uh, late 80s, 90s or something, you know, <laughs> flashing graphics and auto music. <laughs> and so uh, it's important to have good, good partners and good technology. And that's one of the questions I, I guess I would have even kind of lead out with. And how critical is it for Replant to have a really good website? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And really a website is, it's the hub, it's the centerpiece of any sort of marketing that you do. Mostly because, especially for churches, it's the front door. I mean, everybody's going to go to your website. You know, it used to be the case you would think maybe even the older generation may not actually check out your website, but that's not true anymore. Right. Most of them have iPads. They, they're more computer savvy than we thought they would be. And they will go to your website. And whether that's to listen to a sermon or just to get a feel for your church. And so it's, it's super important that your website is not only relevant, but that it also speaks to who you really are. Because, you know, I, I see some of the mistakes that a lot of church planners or, or replanters make, and, and they'll use a lot of photography that's not of their church. They'll, they, you know, will, will make it out to be larger than in reality it is. Well, that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. false advertising. I mean, honestly, 
Yeah, you crop the shot with a family that has like six kids in it. And yeah. Show, yeah. Like, <laughs> this is your children's ministry. Yeah, yeah that, that, in some ways that's false advertising. Now, I understand the need to kind of put your best foot forward, and that's obviously a thing you want to do. But at the same time, you want to be authentic and genuine about, about who you are. And I, I guess I would liken it to this. Uh, you know, if you, are, if you were selling a house and you had a small house, you wouldn't call it a small house. Mm-hmm. What would you say? You probably would say it's, it's cozy. Kind of, Cozy. That's exactly that. That's the code word for small. And when you're selling, <laughs> you're selling a house, is cozy. What so, is the code word for a replant? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe intimate. I don't. In, I mean, intimate. An intimate fellowship of twelve people. A believer. Of friendly people who love each other. Yeah. So I mean, it's just about kind of putting things in the right perspective. I mean, obviously, you can as as a pastor. I know. Uh, you know, you might think it's small and that might bother you, but there's definitely some advantages to that. So just kind of thinking through some of the things that some people are looking for a small church. They're coming out of a large church and they're, they're tired of not being known and they, you know, they want to be known. So thinking through, even from your marketing standpoint, like this is who we are as a church. You know, we're at a church, we're a small church where you can be known. I mean, that's a great example of how something that people really grab hold of. Yeah, I love that idea. And I think it rings true. One of the questions we continually ask those who visit us is, how'd you hear about us? Mm-hmm. And we get two primary comments. And the third one I'm, I'm hoping will increase over time, but it's, we drove by and we saw your sign. And then the second one is we found you on the web yep. and our, our church sign has our web address at the bottom, right below our name. And we intentionally did that rather than put the time of the, uh, of the service because times can always change. And then pastor, we didn't put the pastor's name. I mean, good grief. You know, how many, how many Baptist churches or replants have painted over previous pastors, right? And how, how, how often that changes for some churches. But um, one of the things we're finding is people, the, one of the top two to top three reasons people find us is a web search. And they, and they just find us so our website is absolutely critical for us. I mean, it really is. And, you know, in the old days, everything was in a yellow book, you know, yellow pages. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, the, the web is the yellow pages of today. And so people are going to go to Google. They're going to search for either a church near me or a certain specific type of church near me. So they're going to look for those things. And the better you can be found, um, the more people, more likely people are going to come to your church. So you want to be accessible and want to be able to be found. There's a lot that goes into that, but for the most part, if you have a good website and you're putting yourself out there, uh, you know, people will find you. Well, what are some of the elements of a good website? I mean, if you're making a website, designing a website, just say these are the bare bones basics that you absolutely should consider having on your church's yeah. website. Okay. I'll start with kind of the first thing is what I feel like is probably the most important thing. And that is that header image that you put at the top. So what is that very first picture that they're going to get of your church? So that very first impression. So you have to make that and you have about five seconds to make that before they judge uh, what they think your church is going to be about. So making sure that you pick the best picture that you can for that image. Now, with that said, after that point, 40% of the traffic that comes to your website is mostly looking for service times and contact information. So Mm -hmm. the majority of the traffic is simply looking for when your services are, where they are, uh, you know, how to contact somebody if they have a question. So those are the most important things that you need to have on there. But obviously, you know, if you can describe some of the ministries, and I think a lot of the times churches will put uh, their, their mission statement right across 
uh, the top of their of their website. But I think that's a mistake because a lot of the times a mission statement is has more internal language than you know you need to think from an outsider perspective. So you need to think about using outsider language that people understand, whether you say, you know, we have, you know, vibrant children's ministries. What are, what are those visitors who are potentially going to come to your church? What are they looking for? What information are they? Hey, they want to know, Hey, there's kids here. They have, you know, uh, programs for my children. They, so you just need to think about it from an outsider perspective. Now, that's not all the traffic that you'll get on your website, but that's the majority of its purpose is really just to put yourself out there let people make a good impression of who you are, get a good feel within about five seconds of who you are as a church, and then make sure they have the relevant information that they need within one scroll. You know, one scroll down, they can get service times and location and things like that. A lot of us do podcasting. We record our sermons and, and put them out there, and there are a few folks that, that pick those up. How critical is that for a person who's checking your church out to hear some samples of your preaching? to kind of get a, an idea of the service. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, that's one of those, those places that is for your church members and your potential visitors is that they're going to, the visitor is going to listen to part of your sermon. Uh, a member is going to listen probably to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one big thing that churches, most churches don't do, that's actually a huge help is to transcribe their sermons. That's mm-hmm. a big, big deal, especially in the world of search is just having someone transcribe uh, your sermons. Now, maybe you have a transcript. They may have a transcriptionist there in their church who could do that for them. There's some services online where you can get your sermons transcribed. But basically, what that enables your website to do is it or enables Google to be able to search through all that content. It gives you more content to be found by. I would even say with the podcast this past Sunday, uh, I had a senior adult that has been out for the last four weeks because he's been sick. And to be honest, it's a guy, I didn't even know if he owned a computer or a smartphone (laughs) or anything. Uh, But he came to me Sunday and I talked to him and said, Hey man, I'm glad to see that you're back here today. Uh, We've missed you. I know you haven't been feeling well. And he said, yeah, but I've been able to listen to your sermons on the podcast. And I, I was honestly shocked. I was like, okay, wow. I mean, this is not the guy I would have thought that would have been able to find a podcast and listen to it. It's a way for people to be able to stay connected with the church, even though they can't necessarily be present. So that's interesting. So I know that I manuscript my sermons. And so uh, obviously it's not going to be, the delivery is not going to be verbatim. Mm -hmm. And I know Jimbo uses uh, posty notes, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that his sermons are simple or small, but they're but that's, I mean, he's just, he's not a note guy and I'm a note guy. So that's interesting for us to think about loading up the, the transcript of the sermon. And is that just in addition to the audio file, you put the transcript up there and. and yeah. Uh, yeah. So just in the, in the notes, whether that, like if you had a podcast, it'd be in the kind of the show notes, but mm-hmm. if you go, if you'll go look at some, some popular podcasts, you'll scroll down and in their notes, they have the timestamp and they have basically the, the content or an outline so maybe if you don't transcribe it verbatim, just having more words, text in there for, for Google gotcha. index when they search over your site, when they're crawling your site. In my world, we call it SEO, an SEO boost for your site. Mm-hmm. Just be able to make it a little bit more friendly and easier to find. Mm-hmm. That's good. For the kids playing at home, SEO stands for? Search engine optimization. Bing, so. there you go. Let's talk about podcasting and transcripting. What are your thoughts on a a replanting church, normative-sized church, live streaming. I, I know a lot of churches are doing this now. I, I know a church that even has averages 8 to 15 people on Sunday morning that is 
probably has more people watch their live stream than show up on Sunday morning. What are the benefits of that for a smaller church or what are the cons even of that for a smaller church? And how do you go about doing that? Yeah, that's a good question. For the most part, live streaming your church services is probably for your existing congregation, not so much for visitors. They would probably do the same thing where they would watch just part of a service and not necessarily the entire thing. But for you know a member who can't be there, uh, enables them to be able to kind of feel like they're still part of what's going on there. The other thing that even with whether it's a podcast or sermon archive or or video, it does enable you whether you're using Facebook Live or streaming it through YouTube Live or something like that. It just enables you to be able to expand your church's reach just a little bit further. You know, um, I know for the churches that struggle with you know, our service isn't that good. Our music isn't very good. You know, we don't really feel like we want to put ourselves out there. Uh, I, I can understand that. And I can understand maybe not making it the, the front page, but having it available on your website is not only a ministry to you know, your existing congregation, but for those maybe who want to support your church. So if you think about it from the standpoint of, hey, I'm trying to raise money here to support what I'm doing here. And I mean, and some some pastors are are really our missionaries almost in the churches that they're in, but you know, people who want to be a part of what you're doing in the world of social media, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has said the future of Facebook is video. So video Mm -hmm. is going to continue to be important. I mean, uh, Instagram stories, things like that. Those are super important ways for churches to be involved with sharing video. Now it doesn't necessarily have to be of the entire service. I mean, a good example would be, uh, that people could share is just stories of things that are happening at your church. I think that's probably a big mistake that most churches don't share the good things that are going on, you know, around the church and in the neighborhood, just putting yourself out there because it helps communicate that you care about your neighborhood and that, you know, you're, you're a part of your neighborhood, but also that you're involved with what's going on. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and cause I struggle with the fact that, you know, we are in such a video culture and, a lot of my peers and colleagues and we'll do short video snippets of this and that. And, uh, and I'm, I struggle because I, I feel like sometimes we're close to the point of being able to, to live stream our services. But I also, I know my own mentality of, of just not wanting, if we click on the camera and we're live streaming, I'm going to be conscious of everything that happens in our service is now public for the entire world to see globally. And so I, I feel the, the tension of that pressure, and I don't want it to change the dynamic of who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. It's not polished for widespread public com, uh, consumption at this point. So I feel that tension. But, but I will say this. So I think, Wesley, one of the things that you, you mentioned is the outsider is trying to get an idea of what your church is about, what you guys are like, what you all do. And so I have a, a non-Christian, non-church attending friend, close friend that I've had, been friends with for a long time. And I'll just ask him every once in a while, hey, could you look at our website? Could you look at our building? Could you just give me some insight? Because I know he cares about me and he wants to see me succeed and et cetera. And one of the things he said to me a couple of years ago, this is probably two or three years ago, he said, man, I think if you can get some video on there, that would be extremely helpful and would, would uh, have an impact because people want to know, what do you like? What do you sound like? What are your services like? So, so I think that more and more, and this is, uh, you know, Jimbo, great, a great illustrative add there for church that's got like eight to 15 people live streaming their services. Oh my goodness. And so church. Yeah. And I would say for those who are in that same boat, I completely understand that. And there is a technological 
a leap of wanting to do live streaming well. And if that's not where you're at, I would say just just taking uh, stories. So if you're you're in worship, uh, you know, as a pastor, you're standing there and, and they're leading worship. You know, just just take a quick video that you can share on social mm-hmm. media. So just taking little snippets of video is will really do accomplish the same thing if you're not ready to live stream completely. And again, I, I say this kind of with the video or with the sermons, you know, most of the time the people who are going to watch those are going to be existing uh, church members. So mm-hmm. that's not really something outsiders are going to look at. You know, and even nowadays you can take your website. A lot of the times you can have video embedded in the background just to kind of share, Hey, here's what our, our, our church services are kind of like, and that helps communicate to those outsiders what your services are like. It's like they're attending before they're attending. A lot of times when, when a replanter comes into a, an existing church or established church and seeking to replant it, somebody started that website and somebody's got their hands on that website and somebody has all of the passwords to the <laughs> website. So how in the world, and it, it may look like uh, whatever first website designer, you know, Dreamweaver or whatever it was that, you know, came out or I can't remember the moment. Yeah. So were those people who have that, I've, I've dealt with some nightmare uh, situations where the person who had those, all those passwords decided they were upset about something <laughs> and wouldn't, you know, give those passwords up for the life of uh, this one experience with this one church that. So uh, do you hack, do you hack into the website? How do you handle that? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, there's ways of doing things. I don't want to divulge, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've got, I, the, we've got the, like the Jason Bourne of church websites with us today. That's awesome. <laughs> You know, I mean, there, there's situations you can get yourself into. That person who is building the website, they have to be on your team. I mean, they have to be mission-minded. Um, so it's not always the most technically savvy person. I think that's probably a mistake that, that people will make, even with their social media, is that I want to find the person who's probably the most, you know, the, the techiest person. That isn't necessarily the best person that you want on that because – the most important thing is that they understand the mission of what they're trying to do um, because it is important. It is important. You're going where the people are. So even for a, a church, you know, maybe that has an older congregation, they're like, why, why should we invest in, 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 you know, a new website or new branding? Well, I mean, a website is, is your front door. So it's no longer literally the front door. It is the virtual digital front door of your church. And so you want to make sure you get your, your best foot forward and get out there and be relevant because if you don't look relevant, uh, especially, you know, the millennials and some of those younger generations, they're never going to come. They're never going to be motivated to come because you automatically look outdated. And so it's just about putting yourself out there. So finding people in your church who, um, because a lot of these skills can be taught. So if you find the people that have, uh, the missions mindset of hey, I'm going to do this to help our church reach more people. They can be taught skills and whether you partner with, you know, agency like mine to build those sorts of things, or whether you use an existing um, website builder like Wix or Weebly or Squarespace or something like that, you know, you can be taught skills to be able to build a website, um, but really to be able to manage it and understand its purpose and intent. Uh, you want to find people um, in, in your church who are, who are alongside you, who, who are really a part of what you're doing and understand the purpose of that. And I would say definitely for social media, um, it's not just about finding the most social media savvy person, but it's about finding that person who 
who really can can foresee the stories and capture those stories and communicate those well because we live in such a uh, a culture where we're um, virtually separated from each other. People want to hear the great things that are happening at your church. I mean that that's that's so to speak. You know, God God being at work at your church is viral. So if they they see God working through people and through stories man, that, that it's something people want to gravitate towards. So making sure that you're putting that out there and, and telling the, the stories that you have. And so that takes somebody who has the perspective to be able to see those stories and, and, and the willingness to go after them and capture them and share them. And even if it's not done to, you know, perfect standards, it, it's, it's important to get those out there. So mm-hmm. I'd make that recommendation when you're trying to find somebody who, who can kind of be in charge of these things. I think one of the temptations or the uh, the obstacles it seems in a replant uh, in a dying church, a struggling church, a small church, is uh, you start thinking, what can we put on social media that is <laughs> honest um, and good, right? Because if I, you know, if you take a picture of the eight people in the sanctuary and make that the front page, it's honest, but doesn't necessarily paint the kind of picture you're wanting right. to paint. And I think that's so good is is focus on the stories. Mm-hmm. When you first get there, it's focusing on the story of the legacy of the church, building right. off the legacy of the church. And then as, as you see God move in people's lives, man, it's great just to share and celebrate uh, that God is moving. One of the things we always talk about is the power of celebration. And social media creates such a great opportunity to quickly celebrate those things. And those are the things that when somebody, an outsider, is looking at, Honestly, they probably care more about those things than they yeah. do how many people are at your church or what yeah. style of music, uh, but seeing those, those movements of God. Can you talk some, Wesley, about the value of working with a company versus, you know, man, I'm just, I found Wix or Weebly or something and I'm just going to, you know, go for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's what I do for a living, um, is I mostly work with churches. And and there's definitely some benefits of working with me, because I have a process by which I help identify, you know, who you are as a church, help help kind of people work through that process. And that takes a while. That's not something, most churches, they want to kind of turn this thing over really quickly. But it is about identifying who you are as a church, and then taking that image and then visually representing that through a website or through a logo or things like that. So, you know, from my standpoint, I have a team of creative people and we work together. Um, and that's always better to be collaborative than it is for a single person to decide what your church is. Um, so kind of having a group of people to really be able to think through that and shoot ideas and put things together and to visualize that idea is always stronger than one person doing it by themselves. Now with that, I understand churches deal with tight budgets. I mean, I, I've dealt with tight budgets and I understand how that, that is. And there are some great tools out there, whether you uh, want to use one of the, you know, kind of easy site builders where you basically pull a template in and then kind of customize it with your colors and content. All right. So as we come towards an end, just what, what else would you want to share, Wesley, that, that you would say, man, as I talk to replanters and revitalizers, here's some things that I feel like I could help, just some knowledge I could give that could help. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll give you some, some tips of some things I would put uh, in my toolbox. Um, if I was a, a replanter and was, you know, 
full full time into that. You know, social media is important. Um, scheduling those things can be a great time saver. So having some sort of social media scheduling tool uh, can really be a big help. Developing a content team. Um, and, and I know for small churches or normative types of churches, you're not sure exactly who that is, but having some people who's focused on capturing those stories, pictures and writing those things up can really be a big help um, for those who are, you know, to communicate those stories that you have. The other mistake I feel like a lot of the churches make is not investing in marketing at all. Like they just don't really take the time to think about it. And what they don't understand is that by not thinking about it, they're really putting a, a negative perception out there. So you need to think through it and whether it's for just specific events that you're going to have, Hey, how can I, how can we market this event? How can we help people know about it? And then being consistent with those methods uh, to kind of empower people to be able to do that. Cause really word of mouth is still the best advertising your church is going to get. So empowering your people to be able to share about activities and services and things going on at your church, you know, giving them good quality, uh, you know, things to hand out or share with their friends or whatever is a great way of being able to get, get it out there inexpensively. So I guess a few other things I would throw in there were most churches don't think about having a Google My Business page. And if you're not familiar with what that is, um, basically Google kind of folded in some of their, their Google Plus, which was a social media network they had for a short period of time. And they folded that in and kind of made it more business oriented to where you, when you search for a business, it's usually that, that kind of pain that shows up on the right hand side of the screen with all that contact information, making sure that you have control over that and are updating that content and information so that people, um, because what is, what is beginning to happen is uh, people will just search that Google knows that majority of traffic just wants that information. They want to know the times, the place, location, a few pictures. That's what the majority of people want to know when they're searching you out. And so they're putting a lot of that content in that Google My Business part of what's happening. So make sure that you set that up correctly, get that you know accurate, and so that people can easily be able to find that information there. And I would even say this, you know, a lot of people, um, for me, uh, you know, they, they don't have, maybe their church is small, they don't necessarily have the budget to hire me, but find somebody who maybe builds church websites, take them out to lunch. You know, for me, that's a big thing. Like people just buy me lunch and ask me a bunch of questions and I'm totally fine with that. You know, as far as just trying to help give them some guidance, what direction they need to go. So just some advice from, from a marketing perspective, how, how can we help do this better? So I enjoy that. So find somebody who maybe has a little more information than you do, has some more experience on that and see what you can you know, take them out to lunch and ask them a bunch of questions. And hopefully you'll be able to get some answers that, will help the help your church move forward. Man, I want to thank you, Wesley, for coming and being a part of this. And obviously thank you for being our sponsor uh, and helping us get the word out there and helping build the replant bootcamp website and, and helping us serve being replanters that serve replanters. One of the reasons I love 180 being our sponsor is that Wesley is a replanter here mm -hmm. at Redemption Church, and he's helping replanters as in his business and on this podcast by sponsoring this. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. And they've just launched two awesome new products to help churches. 
church plants and replants. The first is called Launchpad. It's an all-in-one custom branding and website bundle developed specifically for church planters and replanters and revitalizers. We need to get things moving quickly. The second is Church QuickSight. It was created for churches working with tight budgets and can help them get an amazing new church website in as little as one week at a really affordable price. Check out 180.church to learn more about these special new offerings and how 180 can help move your church forward.